is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. So are you? Are you a chameleon? Are you a shapeshifter? And if you are, and not everybody is, and not everybody has the ability to be that, if you are, do you know where it comes from? Does it come from a place of unworthiness, people-pleasing? I need to be like them and land for them in a way that feels good to them so that I'm accepted, so that I don't ruffle feathers. I don't want to be too much, and I certainly don't want to be a record scratch. I don't want to be different. I really don't want people to see me. It's just easier. Are you a chameleon or a shapeshifter because you believe it's the kind way to be? It's the right thing to do. To come down to someone's level, to be like them so that you are more relatable, so that they feel more comfortable. Do you do it because it's a superpower? Maybe you're in sales and it works for you. You're not being dishonest. You're just tapping into what you can feel from them and how you observe them. And you understand that they will trust you if you speak their language, if you're more like them, because that's how people are. None of this is is wrong. None of this is bad. It's all just interesting, isn't it? I never had this written down on my list of things to talk about with you, ever. So I was sitting in the living room with my husband getting ready to finish the Kanye West documentary, which by the way is, in my opinion, fascinating. So fascinating. God, I have so much respect for how hard he worked and what he had to do to get to where he is. Anyway, I digress. So we were getting ready to do that. Our internet in the country is rarely reliable. So we were waiting for it to sort of kick in. And I picked up this catalog from a store website I, I've never bought anything from. I'm not sure how it came to me, but it was a really attractive, um, very, very, very artistic. And I was flipping through like these perfectly curated scenes of a woman in cream sitting on a cream couch with a dark caramel leather sofa next to her. And the look was very serene, but also very like cool. Like you might look at it and go, oh, that's how people should design their home. It looks like she has really good taste. 
And all of a sudden, the idea came to me for this conversation because I looked at that and I remembered that there was a time in my life that if someone had shown me that because they liked it, I would have said I liked it. Or if I had been in their home, not just to be kind and giving them a compliment, would I say it looks great? I would convince myself that that was my taste because I wanted them to feel comfortable and I also didn't want to be different. That's the default. It's so easy. It is so easy to just go with the status quo. And I said to him, oh my gosh, I have something that I could just go riff on right now. And he said, what? And I said, about how my whole life I was a chameleon. On one hand, from so much weakness and pain and wounds and I'm not enough and I need to fit in and I need to be liked, I need to be loved, I need to be enough. Some from manipulation. I'll get what I want if I do that. Some sort of an altruistic manipulation, sort of like a Robin Hood effect where in sales, it really, really worked. Some from codependency. I don't want to look like I have more money than I do if I'm with someone who I know doesn't. I don't want to look like I'm sort of like above or better than someone. So I will either dumb myself down or I won't ask a question or I'll dress a certain way or, I mean, I did this my entire life. I know, I know that you can relate to some of this. Maybe it's just pretending that you believe in something or you agree with something when you don't. And some might say, well, that's just because I really don't want to have a fight. I don't want controversy. I don't like confrontation. You know, that's different than what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about like outsourcing your true self for either comfort, to be liked, loved, or approved of, or to get attention, to stay invisible, or maybe to get what you want. So when I was a kid, My dad was the number one sales representative in the country 10 consecutive years for a company called, I think it was called GTE, the Yellow Pages. We used to have phone books. Those of you who are young listeners, (laughs) you're laughing right now, I'm sure, but we had actual telephone books that we would have to open up and we'd have to look something up to call somebody. And he sold Yellow Page ads to businesses. And he was the number one sales rep, as I said, in the country. And he traveled from Sunday night to Friday, nine months of the year. And when he wasn't traveling, he worked from home. And there was an office in our town, but sometimes he would make calls from our home. And I remember sitting there sometimes watching him make sales calls. And I was loved it. I thought it was so interesting. And one time he hung up the phone and he's like, all right, all right. Thanks a lot to you. And he hung up. And I said, daddy, why did you say that? What do you mean? Why did you say it like that? You don't talk like that. And he said, oh, Jill, because that's how they talk. Who? The people in Southern Indiana who I was calling on. You see, Jill, if I talk like them and I dress like them, then I'm one of them. And then they trust me. And when they trust me, they buy from me. I was in the grocery store once with my mom and a woman was having a long conversation with my mother about some amazing, probably highly processed, crappy crab meat that was packaged, that was on sale. And my mom was going on and on listening to this woman go on and on. 
you know, actively listening. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that, that's awesome. That sounds, sounds great. Yeah, I, I'm, we're going to have to try that. Really? You've got to be kidding me. Oh my goodness. And as a child, I could feel the shape shifting, her being a chameleon, her lying. I could feel it. I didn't have to ask my mom, so do you want to buy that crab? I knew she didn't. I could feel it from her. And this is something I saw her do every single day. And this is what made her, by most people's standards, a really, really nice person. Because she always made people feel good. She always listened to them, and validated what they were saying. And from a place of wounding, she took it a little too far by outsourcing who she was, by abandoning herself. Instead of just saying, oh, that's really great. It sounds like it's something you love. She would say, I think we're going to get that. As soon as she said, I think we should get that, I knew she was lying. One, we've never had that before, but I could feel in my body, I could feel that she was just people-pleasing. She was making this woman feel good. And to myself, I was thinking, my gosh, mom, tell her to shut up. (laughs) Just stop the conversation. You know you're not buying that stuff. Why are you lying? That's how it felt to me as I watched. The woman walked away. My mom put it in our cart and we walked about 10 feet down and she looked around to see if anyone was looking and she threw it in the freezer where all the chicken was. She's like, yeah, I'm not buying that stuff. I said, well, then why did you say you would? And she looked at me and she said, because Jill, it would have been rude not to. So you may not have examples like that from your childhood, but I bet you have examples over and over again, of people around you, the big people in your life, your mom and your dad too, especially your mom and your dad, denying who they really were or denying their own needs, denying their own desires, denying their own opinions, their own taste to fit in, to people please, to be liked, to be approved of, to not be too much, to not be different, to not go against the grain, Or maybe it was to get what they wanted. In the sales example, it was for my dad to get what he wanted. The interesting thing is, I bet if he hadn't done that role playing, he would have still gotten the sale if he was just himself. But it probably was a faster, easier way, the way he did it. And with my mom, hers wasn't to get what she wanted. It's because she was used to, as a woman, I mean, are you used to this? I'm used to this. Putting yourself last, not wanting to be rude, not just saying, hey, I so appreciate your enthusiasm for this. I love that you're getting it for yourself. And thank you for caring enough about me to share it with me. Um, I'm going to go ahead and mosey along here. I've got groceries to get with my daughter. I hope you have the most beautiful day. Can you imagine? No, it would have never happened because that would have been what? Rude, inconsiderate, cold. In fact, that person may have said, oh, okay, no big deal. Or they may have said, what a bitch. Because many times that's what we do as women, don't we? When we see a woman not being a chameleon and being herself, not apologizing for whatever that is and how it looks and how it sounds and how it lands, we make it about us and we take offense to that because it challenges what? It doesn't challenge our own opinion and belief on the topic, whatever it is. It's triggering the fact that we are selling ourselves out as well, and we don't like it. 
So when someone chooses not to sell out and not to abandon herself, we don't like it because we're the crab in the bucket pulling down that crab that's trying to get out. We don't want her to be different because if she's different, then it reminds us that we are not. If she's being herself, it reminds us that we are not. It's easier if she would just go along with the plan. So what does that have to do with the catalog I looked at? Well, when I saw that catalog, I remembered that there were times in my life that I would take on the taste of other people, not just because I hadn't found my own, because that's a valid thing, right? Sometimes we just haven't discovered what we like. So we're like, yeah, that's fine. But I would pretend to like things I didn't like to please somebody, even a fucking stranger. Someone who, they've invested nothing in my life. I don't know if I would ever want the life they have. I don't even know if they're a nice person. But I would pretend to agree with something, have an opinion on something. I would agree to like something or say I liked something, whether it's food at a restaurant or the beige paint on the wall and the cream couch and the copper-colored couch next to it. Just because someone else said it looked good, I would say that I agreed, even if I didn't. That's like death by a thousand paper cuts. For a long, 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 long time, you just, you won't die. But it's just a slow, 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 not super painful, but a very, very slow way that we just erode away at who we really are. Because we're trying so hard to fit in, to be liked, to be admired, to be accepted, to not make people uncomfortable. And all of that just helps us feel safe. Because, you know, when it comes down to it, that's all we all want. We just want to feel safe. And safety, sadly, many times is the opposite of what you would think it is. Safety is just what we know. The unknown is unsafe. So we will judge it, mock it, block it, trash it, and run from it. The known is safe, even if it sucks. So we will give fake compliments. We will get our hair done and look in the mirror and tell our stylist, yeah, it looks great. And then get in our car and cry go home and wash our hair and restyle it instead of having the stylist restyle it who we just paid or instead of at least saying, hey, next time can we do like this or this? This isn't like what I would want. I know you're good at what you do. I'm just not loving this for me. And if she can't handle that, that's not your problem. I mean, it was just a couple years ago I couldn't do that. So I am not preaching here. I'm just sharing that I know you can relate to this. Some to different levels than others, right? You might be listening saying, oh yeah, I used to be like that. You might be listening going, oh God, I could never, I could never say that. Why? Why couldn't you? The question to ask is, what if you did? What would you risk by doing that? And what would be the reward of speaking your truth? What are you risking by speaking the truth? Offending her? Her feelings and her reaction and response to you are not your responsibility. As women, we, we think they are, we pretend they are, and we believe they are. They're not. And you might say, hold on, Jill, I've heard you and other people say, let's think about how we land for people. That That's the truth. And their response is still not my responsibility. So here's an example. If I say that I don't like something, if someone comes right out and asks me, so what do you think? Do you like this, these beige walls and this cream couch? 
And I say, doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you think. If you want my opinion, no, it's way too bland for me. If they are offended by that, hurt by that, upset by that, bothered by that, get their feathers ruffled by that, whatever term or phrase you want to use to describe them not liking it, first of all, that's a trigger for them, an invitation to what? Look in the mirror and for them to ask, why did that bother me? Why did I add emotion to this? I asked her opinion and she gave it. Why am I upset right now? And number two, if you and I give our honest opinion when someone asks like that, Not only is it an invitation for her to look at herself, how she chooses to respond says everything about her and nothing about you. And if you choose to not speak your truth for the reasons we described earlier, that's not bad and wrong. Don't judge yourself for that, but just be honest about it. You're selling out. You're afraid. You're not nicer. You're not someone who just doesn't like conflict. I just don't like confrontation. No, Judy, that's a cop out. Don't say you just don't like confrontation. No one likes confrontation. You don't want to be what? Abandoned? You don't want to be not liked, not chosen, not uh, approved of, not not appreciated, not hurt, whatever it is. It has nothing to do with you not liking confrontation. It's that having truth in that conversation scares the shit out of you. Speaking your truth scares the shit out of you. But why? Again, don't judge yourself for this. Just ask yourself, why? Why is it so scary to me to say that I don't like the way she just did my hair? Well, I'm afraid that it's going to hurt her feelings. And then what? Well, I don't want her to feel bad. Okay, but what if she does? Well, then I'm going to feel bad. Why? Because I'm the one who hurt her feelings. Okay. So if her feelings are hurt and you feel bad, because you believe you're the one who hurt her feelings, then what? Are you both going to just sit there and lick your wounds together? I mean, this is what we do. And I want to instill some compassion here. I mean, trust me, I would hate to make someone feel bad or hurt their feelings. You know, if I got my hair done, let's say in that example, and I said that, and I could tell the person was hurt, I can have compassion and put my hand on her arm and say, listen, listen, Stephanie, does that not feel good hearing me say that? Or I could be totally off here, but I'm wondering if maybe that didn't feel good to you. I want you to understand that I'm not talking to you as a person and your worth and your ability as a stylist because I think you're great. But I know you want me to be happy and you want me to be like a billboard for what you do. And I can't be that with it like this. It's not that it's ugly. It's not wrong. It's just not what I was looking for. It's just not for me. Stephanie, have you ever seen a hairstyle or a paint color on a wall or a certain type of car and it just wasn't what you were looking for or maybe it wasn't what you were looking for that day yeah that's what this is for me today this just isn't my paint color this isn't isn't the car that I want to drive today I mean maybe you wouldn't have that whole conversation but something like that Like if we can't do that, how in the hell are we going to help the next generation do this? How are our daughters going to do this? How are they going to say no when they don't want him to do that? How are they going to say that doesn't feel good? I don't like that. If you can't even send the fish back at your local restaurant. If you can't tell a hairstylist you've been going to for 10 years that you do not like the way she just colored your hair. If you can't do that, how is she going to tell him, I kissed you, but that was it. 
That's enough. I was just texting with my 17-year-old son today about the conversation of choose your hard, right? You've heard that before. Divorce is hard. So is being married to someone who doesn't respect you and isn't committed to growing as a person. Starting a business and growing it from nothing is hard. And so is being broke. Speaking your truth and not being a chameleon and being yourself is hard. But so is living a life for everybody else for your entire life. And then having the conversation with yourself at the end of your life about the fact that you lived for everyone but you. Choose your heart. So for me, I learned to be a chameleon and a shapeshifter at a very, very young age. Yes, I told you I heard my parents and watched my parents model that, but I also did it because I was so, so unbelievably insecure. I was certain that nobody liked me. I was sure that people were judging me and talking about me all the time. If I would go to one person's house for an overnight, I would act different than I would if I would go to another person's house. I always tried to be my very best, but I tried to be the best version of myself to appeal to them. One day I was vanilla, another day I was chocolate, another day I was pistachio, another day I was mint chocolate chip. It was exhausting. And I did it until I was about 40. I was in relationships with boys and men who I wasn't attracted to. But they were really, really nice guys, really kind, really good to me. They adored me. They were my friend. And I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And by the way, it was selfish of me to want to be physically attracted to them anyway. Meanwhile, I'm in college and I'm looking at the boy across the room in class thinking he is so cute. I would love to date a guy like that. But I didn't. I mean, we could have an entire conversation and we have a couple times on this podcast, right? About what we do in the bedroom as women. Pretending we like things that we don't. Pretending we don't like things that we do. So, so afraid of who we really are and what we really desire. And it's just easier to make it about him. It's easier to just do what we're supposed to do instead of what we want to do. I don't even remember if I circled back to what I started to say, which was when I was looking at that catalog, what prompted this conversation is that when I saw that, I remember that there were days where I would have said, oh yeah, I like that, when I didn't. It's not that, you know, sometimes we just haven't found ourselves yet. So we're like, yeah, I don't really care. But I really didn't like that. Like, that's just not for me. If I had to have a house with beige walls and everything was neutral, I would want to stab my eyeballs out with blazing hot forks dipped in like salt. I mean, I, 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 it's my surroundings are so important to me and style of my home and patterns and colors. They affect my mood. They affect who I am. It's not just what I like and don't like. It's so important to me. So important to me. And I know there were times in my past when I would say that I like things that I didn't like. But the worst isn't saying that we like things that we don't like. It's actually doing them and being them and buying them and portraying them as our own. How many times do you do that? You don't just say you like it. You go ahead and just buy it for yourself. Well, everyone else is driving this car, so I guess this is the car I'm going to drive. You know, looking at trends and not just saying, oh, it's interesting that everyone's kind of doing that. I wonder if I like that. Does that trend speak to me? Me, not really. I kind of like that trend. I think I'll try it. 
how many times instead do we just go along with the trend because it's the trend? You know, there was this, I'm going to call it awful. I'm so sorry if you ever had this haircut, but there was a haircut that was going around for years. And then some people just like couldn't let it go. They just couldn't let it go. And when it was like, so, so, so not cool anymore. But there was a haircut that a bunch of women in the United States had. I don't even know where it came from. And I never wanted that haircut. I thought it was so unattractive. Every time I turned around, someone was getting that haircut. And it reminded me of the Edward Edward Scissorhands movie where they all had these bizarre haircuts that they probably didn't really like, but they just thought it was the cool thing to do because Edward was doing their hairstyles. Now, there's a lot more depth to that movie than that. It's an amazing movie. But just speaking of that, I saw that. And, you know, I'm someone who, certainly not preaching here again, I I, want to make sure I don't sound like I'm preaching because I can tell you all kinds of ways that I have sold out. But when it comes to, to style and trends, I would invite you to do this. I look at a style and I look at a trend and I truly ask, do I like this? If I don't like it, I don't do it. I don't care if mom jeans are in style, right? When those came around, not wearing them. Or I don't care if bootcut jeans came back. They're never coming back for me. Or I don't care if it's the end thing to do this or that. I'm never doing it. Getting to be so confident in ourselves that we are not a chameleon. We're not going to be a shapeshifter. We're not going to change who we are and, and what our opinion is and what we like and don't like in order to fit in or make other people feel uncomfortable or to stay, you know, making sure that we're in the background. I'm sitting right now in my home office with my carpet, which is leopard print and I have a bright raspberry sofa and a really cool bright multicolored sort of crazy looking totally my style wallpaper on the walls and it's something that just I created in my head I didn't see it in a magazine no interior designer told me to do it I just wanted to do this and it really captures who I am and at the same time I totally did the opposite on the outside of the house When we built this house, I wanted a white, white, white house, like bright white house with black trim and a, and black shutters and a lacquer, a lacquer, bright, punchy Kelly green front door. Had I seen it anywhere in my head? I had in my own mind's eye and the builder talked me out of it. He gave me all of the reasons why it was not a good idea. And I just said, okay. And I have a beautiful home that I so appreciate and I've learned to love the outside of my home, but it is 100% not my style, 100% not my taste. And I literally, if I could, would snap my fingers and completely change the outside of my house. I hate that I did that. If you're a listener of the show, you've heard me tell a million stories of me people pleasing and pretending to like things I didn't like and to downplay myself and dumb myself down. One is that when I married my husband, His mother was so, so, so disapproving of our relationship. We got together way too fast, according to a lot of people, um, before his divorce was final, fell madly in love really, really quickly, got married just months later. And she said something to me about what dress I was going to wear at the wedding. And she said, well, you're not going to wear some big white fluffy dress, are you? Now, I barely knew her. Imagine how that felt. And I said, oh, God. No, are you kidding me? She's like, well, I wouldn't think so. You're over 40. It's your second marriage. I'm like, no, I would never do that. Meanwhile, I had a white fluffy dress picked out. I immediately canceled the order and cried and felt so silly. And to people please, 
I then went to a store, just a local store here, and bought a free people, you know, that brand free people dress for like 60 bucks. And I didn't just wear that. I took on the persona of I'm going to be low maintenance and cool. And I remember even telling my fiance, who's now my husband, oh, I'm so proud of myself. You're going to think it's so cool. I know the girls spend so much money on dresses and, you know, it's all about the dress for them, but not me. Totally sold myself out. I was 100% being a chameleon. Every time I look at our pictures from our wedding, I'm grateful and I also want to cry because there's nothing about that wedding that was what I really wanted. Well, <laughs> other than who I was marrying, of course, which is the most important thing. I did that with my wedding ring. Oh my gosh, I could tell you so many examples. So I'm saying those things to show you that although I'm really good at this in some areas of my life, you know, speaking my mind, people comment many times about how I speak my truth and I'm very outspoken and very direct, how I, I wear whatever I want to wear. I style my house the way I want to style my house. I don't look at trends, et cetera. And yet, oh my gosh, I have so far to go. I don't know about you, but I feel like I have a threshold. Like I'll be really, I'm going to use my house as an example just because that's something that's easy for me to talk about. So I'll go so far, but then there's a threshold where I will question myself and say, okay, is that a little bit out there? Is that, I mean, (laughs) as if it matters what anyone else thinks. Or, you know, going back to just conversations, picture the conversation my mom had in the grocery store. When is the last time you have been in a conversation and you lied about your opinion or you just said nothing or you lied about what you liked or what you agreed with? Maybe it was a conversation about parenting or maybe it was about relationships or religion. Now, one might say, hold on, Joe. Sometimes the most powerful thing to do is to say nothing. I agree. I believe there's a distinction. I believe this distinction is this. If you're saying nothing because you are choosing your power and you don't want to try to convince anyone and it's just not worth your energy and you're keeping your energy to yourself, then I think that's very powerful. And you could do it in a way where you say that, where you say, I'm just not going to get into this conversation. I love you all. And I know you're passionate about this. I'm being really guarded with my energy. And there are things that I don't agree with about this. And there are things that I do agree with, but I'm just not going to go there. I'm going to remain neutral in this conversation. I am Switzerland. Call me Switzerland. What if you did that instead of just sitting there, looking around, changing the subject with your friend, you know, shifting your eyes around, tapping your foot, hoping the conversation moves forward. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But what if you chose not to do that? It's okay to be the record scratch. It's okay to be different. It's okay to say something that causes people to think. Do you have to? No. Is it wrong not to? No. Is it weak not to? No. And what if you did? Or what if you did decide to share your opinion? Everyone agrees that spaghetti is amazing. And if you're not saying the opposite just because you want to say the opposite, right? Just because you want to ruffle feathers and you want to be different. And it truly comes from you just speaking your truth. What if you just said, you know, it's so interesting. You all love that. And I almost said that I did too, because that's normal for me. I mean, as women, we do that. But to be honest with you, I actually despise spaghetti. What? Yeah, don't like it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Is there anything you don't like that other people like? Think of the great conversation that could come from that. Another way to not be a chameleon, to not sell yourself out is to say that you don't know something. 
to admit that you, you have no idea what someone's talking about. You're at a cocktail party, you're at a networking group, you're at a cookout, whatever it is. Maybe you're in a meeting and someone starts talking. And have you ever done this? I've done this, where I shake my head and I smile like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh yeah. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I either was spacing out, listening, just not listening and thinking of something else. And I don't want them to know that, or I really don't understand them. When you stand in your power, you can say, hold on, excuse me. So I don't know if anyone else is with me on this, but I do not understand. You lost me on profit margin. I don't know what you're talking about here. Would, would you please repeat that or explain that or elaborate? Or, okay, I'm going to stop you right here. Okay, I'm going to be brutally honest here. It's not comfortable. I, to be honest, I was thinking about my kid and something that he did today and I was really upset and I just missed like the last five minutes of your conversation. So I don't want to just stand here and pretend that I'm listening. Will you just go back five minutes? Like, what if you said that? It's okay if you don't, but what if you did? I really believe that the more you and I are willing to do that, the more we come home to ourselves. the more we find that sweet spot of us. And the more we do it, the more comfortable it becomes and the more confident we become doing it. And then it becomes contagious. And then someone else sees it and they're like, oh, I'm going to do that. That was really empowering. That was kind of badass the way she did that. Or maybe no one notices except you. You leave a conversation and you're like, I am so proud of myself for saying that I really don't like that color. That's just not my thing. I am so proud of myself for wearing what I wanted to wear to that party. I know they all said they were wearing this, but I'm just like, I feel so good that I decided to just be me. There are some people who have like a gift and I believe my dad has that gift and I have that gift where I can just flip myself into the energy of someone else. You know, I used to do it when I would do coaching in my network marketing business and I didn't do it to manipulate or to, people would say to me, how did you know to say that? She loved you. And I'm thinking to myself, well, of course she loved me. You know why? Not because I'm amazing, but because I listened to her. I watched her cues. I mirrored her. I could tell that she's someone who is probably like this or like this on the personality profile, or she doesn't want someone who's this way. And so I came into her in a way that I felt familiar to her. So that she could let her guard down because she's expecting me to try to recruit her or she's expecting me to sell her or she's already on my team and she's expecting me to push her. And so I'm not going to do that. That could sound manipulative, but it's all about the intent. The intent wasn't to get what I wanted. The intent was for me to meet her where she was. And so some people do have a gift. It's easier for them to do that. They're more empathic. They're more intuitive. They're more in tune with themselves so that they can be in tune with others. There's no right or wrong here, better than, worse than at all. It's just how it is. And it's something that can be learned. It is something that not everybody has naturally, but it can be learned. But the first way to learn it is to unlearn, to unlearn, unlearning by not following those rules that say you need to be a shapeshifter and a chameleon to please the world and to be quiet and to be silent, to be in the background, to not be rejected, to not be the record scratch, to not be too much, to not question society, to not challenge the rules, to be comfortable in your own skin, not to need to do that, to not need 
to people please to understand why you do to understand where your codependency comes from to understand what that even means to love all parts of yourself to love all the parts who need to people please and want to have codependent relationships the more comfortable you are with yourself and in your own skin and love yourself as you are and understand that all those things aren't even you anyway it becomes really easy to not be a chameleon and a shapeshifter for the reasons that keep us small, but for the reasons that connect us so that people can be seen, heard, so that you can hold space for people, so that they can be who they want to be. So as you're going about your week this week, I invite you to think about all the times in your life in the past, maybe journal about this, the times in your past and the times even in the last week that you are a chameleon and a shapeshifter coming from fear and insecurity and wounding. Are there times when you've done that when you're really just trying to get something that you want and that's okay. Maybe it's a sale. Maybe it's to get your kids to do something. Maybe it's to get your husband to say yes to something or your partner or whatever. And then start observing yourself in the next few days. And when you start to abandon yourself to be a chameleon, that's right there what you want to lean into. When you start to abandon what you truly feel is right, correct, honoring to yourself, truth, etc., that's when you lean into that. That's where you want to go. Why do I do that? No judgment, but that's interesting. Why am I doing that? Why do I feel the need to do that? What is the purpose behind that? What is it? What's in it for me? What would happen if I did? What am I afraid of? What is the risk versus reward here? And then practice being yourself. Practice speaking your mind. Practice buying what you would like, ordering what you want to order. I have literally ordered things from a restaurant. Literally, I've done this. I've ordered things from a restaurant just because the server said it was great and I wanted to make them feel good. I mean, I'm sick. (laughs) That's fucked up. I've totally done that. I've purchased things just because the person selling it to me said how great it was and I wanted them to have a sale or I wanted them to feel good and I didn't want to disagree with them. Anyway, share this with your friends, please. Text this out to them. Share it on your story. If you haven't yet, I would love, love, love and I would so appreciate a five-star rating and a review. Those are really important. This podcast still is not monetized. And so I invest money every month to keep this going. So not only am I not getting paid for the podcast, I am investing money every day in this. And a way to help this podcast grow, which will help it be monetized, is for you to leave a rating and a review. So please do that. And we will see you back here in a week. Monday is our favorite day of the week at BU. Remember, breathe, love yourself, and surrender.